0: Money Mind, expanding your mind when it comes to money matters. Here's your host, Tanya Carlson from Amplify Wealth Management. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Money Mind. Today's guest is sports professional turned businessman, Alex Apachik. Alex is a professional athlete. He was a pro basketballer and after completing high school was awarded a scholarship at the Australian Institute of sport. Uh, The passion and hard work paid off when he was then accepted into a full basketball scholarship at Furman University in South Carolina, where he played with some of the best and graduated also with a degree in communications. He then achieved a professional contract playing across Europe, and two years in it all came crashing down with a serious knee issue. And whilst this wasn't the end of basketball completely, it was the start of a slow progression into a corporate career. Fast forward to today, and Alex is the founder and owner of Athlete to Business, a recruitment company dedicated to placing athletes in roles. And as you will learn, Alex doesn't do things by halves, and his drive and determination instils success into everything he does. He's also proudly married with two young daughters. Welcome to the show, Alex.
1: Thank you, Tanya. Thanks for for having me on. I'm really, uh, really excited. So yeah, looking forward to it.
0: Great, looking forward to the chat. So I'd like to start with with two questions. Uh, The first one's a quick one. Are you a spender, saver or in-betweener?
1: I'd say I'm an in-betweener.
0: Fair enough. And uh, the second one is, can you tell us a little bit about your cultural background and upbringing?
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, my cultural background, I was actually born in Croatia um, and I grew up there up until the age of 10. So my dad's Serbian, my mum's Croatian. Which I you know a lot of people um, find that weird. You know, it's two different.
0: Yes, two opposing sides.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, so I call myself half-half. We grew up in the uh, obviously the Yugoslav war in the '90s, and um, up until so when I was about five years five years old, we had to actually leave our house, and we became refugees around Serbia. Which isn't as bad as it sounds. Like you know, we were in different refugee camps or whatnot, but um, we actually had, like me growing up my childhood we actually had a lot of fun hanging out with other kids and we were kids that so we weren't really aware of what was going on outside sure, of yeah. that. But I was about 10 years old and we, uh, we escaped and moved to, to Australia. Um, so yeah, I ended up, obviously I grew up, grew up in Australia in the school system here and, and, you know, adjusted to, to the Australian culture really quickly. And I, I pretty much called myself Australian now. <laughs> of
0: course, of course. Well, I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it, to, to think with what's going on in Ukraine and, and what war felt like so far away from, I guess, younger generations in the past. But for you, it probably doesn't feel like that with that sort of upbringing.
1: Yeah, no, it, it doesn't. I mean, I've said, I, to be honest, I try and um, stay away from news as, as much as possible. I remember when I was young, and all that was going on around us it was on the news 24/7 it was just negative 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 and scaring fear fear and and i think um that's probably why since the age of 5 in my mind as soon as the news comes on even now i turn it off
0: yeah and, yeah
1: and and i think it's i think it's a, it's a good thing I'd try, i try i would say if um if there was a zombie apocalypse or or, or something insane happening somebody will tell me.
0: That's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah, I just kind of stay away from it. But yeah, I guess to, to to me, you know, it's something that that happened to to my family. A lot obviously a lot of our families at that time. Um, but um, I think, you know, if, if you go through something like that and, and you survive, it only makes you stronger, I think. Absolutely.
0: I agree. Well, look, speaking of, um, I guess, going back in time, I'd like to sort of go back to the time you were around 12 and, and you found basketball and, and you, you sort of mentioned that you quickly became obsessed with this sport. I mean, what do you love about basketball in particular?
1: I think the initial love that I had with the game was. <laughs> I, I, I became really good at it early because I was so tall as well. Yes. Yes. Um, I, well, growing up in in Croatia, I played soccer. Obviously, we, we call it football. Of course. <laughs> um, and then I moved moved to Australia when I was ten and and started playing football here as well. I was about year five, year six in school. I I grew rapidly, and <clears throat> it was just really awkward. I remember really awkward seeing me on the football pitch really tall and gangly legs running around playing with the other kids. And, and my dad suggested, he was like, I think you should try basketball. I think like, that's not a bad idea. I might fit in a little bit more. <laughs> um, so, so I ended up, yeah, moving to basketball. And I loved it instantly. I think I loved it because I was so good at it in a sense at that age, you know, in year six, if you're taller than everybody, you're just naturally going to be better than everybody. Cool. Uh, and, and I was much more fi- you know physically gifted th- than others. So I fell in love with it straight away. And also i love the team camaraderie. I remember, you know, you, you you develop friends, especially for myself coming from another country. I couldn't speak English actually, yeah. Um, and and just being a part of a team environment, I instantly had friends.
0: Yeah, fantastic. And,
1: you know, and there other other kids that that were also from Croatia, Serbia as well. Um, so I think yeah, instantly I just fell in love with the with the friendships that that you create and the the
0: connection and the competitors and and the com- yeah. mm-hmm.
1: and, and the, com- the competitive spirit that we all. Uh, put into work and the connections that you create as well.
0: Yeah, fantastic. How tall are you,
1: Alex? I am six foot ten, but six foot nine and three quarters. Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is very tall, very tall. Yeah. <laughs> now, you then, um, you know, I guess trained hard and, and you were successful in achieving that sort of sponsorship um, in the USA. How did you find school and life different in, in the States?
1: Um yeah I was lucky enough to get a college scholarship in a division 1 school playing basketball there I loved it I like had time of my life there like it's, it's incredible Initially it was a little bit of a tough adjustment to slightly different culture I went to school in South Carolina um, but again through basketball you have teammates immediately friends so the the connections that we that we made were instant like the common ground I guess which was basketball um, but um the schooling there it was. Uh, I went to a, a pretty academic school as well, called Furman University. So they really focus on school, and then make you, they make you study outside of, of school hours as well. So at the time, I wasn't the biggest fan of that. But looking back at it now, it was, the, yeah, it was the best, the best school for me to be a part of.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's my experience. I've, I've got family in the US and. Um, their schooling is full on compared to in Australia. I think we're very relaxed in our education approach and our systems. And I wondered if that was something that you'd noticed as well, just sort of um, studying over there. It's a very different sort of vibe. And and in fact, most people are very dedicated to school.
1: Yeah, they are. And even, you know, as as a student athlete, you, you have to be dedicated in a sense. You have to maintain a certain GPA, which is a great grade point average or a percentage not sure what they call it in university here so you have to yeah maintain a certain score or grade to play right um, so it, it forced you to to study and, um, and focus on school
0: very interesting actually nothing like incentives is there <laughs> yeah. yeah okay so so once you had graduated you were then able to um, obtain a professional contract and started playing in Europe so you're sort of heading back to uh, where, where you came from in a sense
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, I um also it was easier for me because I had a European passport. I had a Croatian passport, so I could count as a local, certainly in Croatia. But I played in Greece. It was my first contract, and yeah, it was a dream come true to play professional basketball. Right. Cool. Um, so played there for almost a season, um, and then I played in Macedonia, which is also part of the former Yugoslavia. For for another season, and that we all speak the same language, um, yeah, Serbian, Croatian, which I speak fluently. Um, and then I also played after after playing in Macedonia. I ended up yeah going back to to where I was born in Croatia and playing professionally there because basketball is huge over there. Um, and, and obviously, this was in 2011, uh, 12. You know, all the all the the war and all that was happening before is long gone. I think Croatia is now a very popular holiday destination for a lot of people. So I actually played. Right on the coast uh, in a town called Rie- Rieka, which is beautiful. Um, it, it almost felt like a year-long holiday. <laughs> wow, <laughs> so,
0: lucky you! And also,
1: I could speak the language as well, so yeah, I had a blast over there.
0: Even better, of course. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, somewhere, somewhere in in that time, you then suffered your your knee issue. I mean, tell us about that time, and and what did you learn about yourself during that time? Because that must have been incredibly frustrating.
1: Yeah it was. it was in Croatia I was playing and just started feeling a weird knee pain on my left knee and it just got progressively worse over time, had a scan done and I had a cartilage there essentially so it needed to have surgery and I was out for the rest of the season. in Croatia if you're you know if, if you can't play, they essentially don't pay you. So I, I came back home to city. And it was tough, you know, it was tough mentally because I had an identity that I gravitated towards, which was playing basketball. And playing basketball was all I ever knew. And also, I think I felt a little bit like I was letting my family down and letting a lot of people who hoped in me making it down, which was the wrong mentality at the time. But I also felt like I was letting myself down because my dream was to keep progressing as a professional basketball player, and that's all I ever wanted to do. That's all I ever knew, really, and it came crashing down. So now I was home in Sydney, uh, organising surgery. Went to have surgery, which doctor, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I also felt like I needed to work. I, you know, I needed to make money. Yes. I was 24 at the time. Yeah. So I was also searching for a part-time slash full-time job at the same time whilst working out my surgery. And that was confusing because I had no idea what I wanted to do outside of basketball. Yeah. Didn't even know where to start. You know, somebody suggested jump on Seek. Yeah. And what what is Seek? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that's how clueless I was when we wow. yeah. came to things outside of, of basketball. But mm. um, yeah, eventually it all it all worked out.
0: It all panned out. And then you you did actually um, you did actually land a role uh, which was a sales role um, at the time. Is that right?
1: Yeah so my first initial role that I landed was in sales which which I hated. Yeah I, I hated it. I, th- I think the part of the reason I also hated it was because you know I wasn't passionate about it I didn't love it and I didn't enjoy it and and all I ever know how to do is to do something that I love which is basketball. Yeah. Um and at the same time my mind was like okay as soon as I have my surgery and I get better I'm going to go back to basketball. So yep. I wasn't really focused, focused properly like I should and, I guess, um, engraved into into the role. So it was a lo- losing battle for me <laughs> and, and the employer that hired me the employer, from the start. Was,
0: <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. And and so I think you played in a semi-professional contract around that time. And then obviously after that, you, you must have moved more into that full-time workspace. So how did that sort of, how did your career start to unfold then?
1: after my first surgery it took about 2 years mm. to get back into playing shape long story short i had surgery came back too early yeah. uh, and and wrecked my knee even more and then had to have another surgery uh so then i took rehab a, a little bit longer but eventually once i 2 years later i got Better and I was 26, 27. I landed uh, a contract as a semi-professional basketball player for Albury with Donga Bandits. I'm not sure if you heard of Albury, Albury Donga, the, the regional town.
0: Yes, sure do.
1: Yeah, and um, at the time playing semi-professionally, you don't get paid quite enough. So I ended up getting a full-time job as well um, as a as an account manager, business development manager for Southern Cross Osteria, which owns most of the radio stations around Australia and basically I was selling radio advertising and and, and playing semi-pro basketball trying to make it back to professional so I, I enjoyed you know I had that kick off basketball back the fulfillment yeah but at the same time I actually started getting good at that sales job and and started enjoying it partly the people that were there were awesome amazing really good culture amazing onboarding experience I had an awesome manager that believed in me coached me and I started enjoying it and, and, and my shift started f- focusing, my mind started focusing more onto my business career than my basketball career. And I think because I was 26, 27 at the time, and, 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 and I knew realistically with two knee surgeries and, you know, I was nowhere near the player I used to be. How realistic was it that I was going to make a career out of basketball? Probably not very. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, my shift started focusing more onto, onto sales.
0: And once you shifted that focus, did you notice that you started applying that sort of, I guess, training regime or sort of hard lifting into your career work? Is that sort of how you apply yourself to
1: things? Definitely, yeah. I was, um, without sounding arrogant or anything like that, I, I, I was probably the hardest working employee there you know certainly on, on, on the sales team <laughs> others listening to this though part of that team would probably disagree and say because they were very competitive as well <laughs> uh, actually we had another football player uh, AFL player on that team as well he, he, he was great he was great and yeah I, I started uh, I was coming in early you know leaving late uh, doing extra I was reading a lot of books on sales listening to podcasts on how to get better at sales. Um, so I really just, um, you know, how you work when you're gaming basketball, you do extra shots, you go to the gym, you work on your ball handling skills. I started transferring that into into sales. I started asking my manager to do role plays with me. Um, I started following some of the better sales reps, the more experienced, like, hey, can I just follow you on the road today to see how you do it? Um, and then I started, I started, yeah, just applying that work ethic into into my job. And I think that's why I started excelling there as well. Of
0: course. And do you think that that's your personality or is this something you learn from your, uh, your scholarships at the Australian Institute of, of Sport as well as your scholarship in the US? I mean, is that something that they start to instil in you, that work ethic, or is that also... Part of
1: who you are? Yeah, that's a really good question. Somebody asked me this question the other day. The short answer is I don't know, but uh, Mm. the the better answer is to make it as an elite basketball player, you know, to play college basketball and any, any sport, you have to have a strong work ethic. There's no ifs or buts. If you don't, you just won't make it. So it became a habit to me to, no matter what I was doing, to work really hard at it. And and I think once my mind was made up, hey, I want to be really good in this job. I I, I didn't know anything but to work hard in that to, to be the hardest working person in the company or you know in in the room. That's all I ever know is just how to work hard at something. I I don't I don't know how to go like half-assed at, at something. And I think it's also maybe an ego thing. Uh, I just wanted to be the best um, and. It's almost like I'm cheating myself if I don't,
0: if you don't work
1: hard at something, and it's weird. I don't know why I feel like that. I don't know why. I think it comes from sport.
0: Well, that's that competitive, uh, competitive spirit, isn't it? I mean, I don't imagine that you can be the best or or in in surround yourself with the best if you're not competitive and wanting to achieve that top goal. So that competitive drive is is probably something common there. Probably. <laughs> That brings me a little bit to, I guess, if we fast forward to today and we're skipping over a little bit of your career there, but you've started your business called Athletes to Business, which, which helps athletes find employment. And you've identified that some of those personal qualities in athlete culture are, are common, I guess, with, with other athletes. I mean, can you share with us some of those qualities that you see in other athletes that, um, that you, you sort of promote, I guess, in your business?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's exactly like me, I guess. Uh, what, what I just said, all, all I ever know what to do is how to work hard and, and have that drive and, and competitive nature. I ended up having a nine, 10 year career as a business development manager in the corporate space. And I just, along, along my journey and in my network, I met a lot of other athletes in, in sales, in business, and most of them uh, were very successful. And I mean, as, you know, as, as you know, in my, in my previous role as uh, with with Airs Management, you know, the owner um, Colin, he used to be a, a semi-pro, quite an elite footballer, you know, growing up, and and you know, look what he's become in business, right? Absolutely. So, so I, I noticed a strong correlation with elite athletes and success in business, mm-hmm. but I also noticed a lot of athletes struggle with that transition, like I did. Where do I commit to next, and and, and how do I commit to it? How yes. do I transfer? those high performing habits from sport into the business world and like, what do I do next? Where do I go? What do I chase next? There's a lot of athletes that are stuck with that. So I noticed this and I started athlete to business to bridge that gap essentially. So we, we grab athletes early, so athletes towards the end of their careers or early in the transition and just have a heart to heart discussion with them. Hey, you can be really good. You can be a superstar in the business world if you apply yourself and this is how you do it. And then we connect them with businesses who really value that athlete mindset and that work ethic that somebody has.
0: Yeah, I think that's fascinating. And and I know you called it and wrote it down somewhere. You've got a program, I guess, and this this might be what you're alluding to, that you call another plan A. And I really love that terminology because you don't like the terminology plan B, which which sounds second best and, and everyone understands that. We We often talk about what's your plan B, but... Um, I love the idea that we shouldn't be aiming for second best um, again. We should be aiming for our next uh, or phase two, which might be that plan A again, but it looks a little bit different. Is that terminology something that athletes can really connect to?
1: Yeah, it is. And I experienced it myself, what I said earlier. Athletes only ever know how to do something that they absolutely love, which is their sport. So they're passionate and they're fulfilled there's a purpose there, right? That's all they ever know how to do. Um, and then we all have a plan B. So, you know, my, my my plan B was go to university, get a communications degree. I was thinking to myself, you know, maybe I'll work in PR uh, or or, or um, marketing or something. And that's, that's what I was thinking. Or, you know, even sales, I had a bit of an idea. And eventually, lucky I had a plan B because I... <laughs> ended up doing my plan B at, you know, 24, 25, when I really, you know, I thought I was going to play till I was 45. So, you know, 20, 20 years earlier, I ended up going towards my plan B, but the plan B feels weird. It feels second best. It feels like a plan B and, and and it didn't feel like, you know, it wasn't purposeful. It wasn't something I'm passionate about uh, because all I ever know was how to do plan A. And so, yeah. So, our, another Plan A program comes exa- tackles this issue, and and we help athletes identify so, something that they're as passionate about as their sport. And and we try and say find it early, yes. find it as early as possible. Yes. And then we we're very careful in how we use that word passion, right? Because it doesn't grow on trees. Absolutely. So so we you know we encourage athletes to to focus on upskilling and learning rather than passion and. And eventually we say, you know, if you focus on upskilling and learning, you'll get good at something else like I did with sales. And when you get good at something else, you'll start liking it and enjoying yeah. it. Yeah. And then eventually your passion will find you.
0: And I think it's so important. I mean, I think we all, uh, unfortunately I'm not a sporty person, but, um, you know, I, I admire certain sports and and you worry about, um, you can see the drive and determination. You worry about what happened to people if their careers are cut short Um that's obviously very difficult, like you say, because it's bringing forward that plan B. But even when players or, or sports people retire, there must be such a, a difficult adjustment to life, in a sense, because it's revolved around training and heavy schedule. So I think that's really important that you're, you've identified that and you're offering those services to people. And then on the other side of things, you're then obviously taking those people and going and promoting them to businesses and that, that might involve businesses being a bit more open-minded about someone's training and qualifications, but you've identified that their personal qualities or their drive, determination, grit, resilience that they've achieved or naturally developed via sport is, is therefore going to help them when they transition into business. Is that right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Our, our motto is hire for attitude and teach skill. Yeah, and 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 that's what we try and convince businesses to do. Obviously, if you have a good training, learning, and development program in place, a good onboarding program, you know, we we advise businesses that don't have time for training. So maybe you know smaller businesses that that just don't have time for it. Well, then you know, don't hire someone with attitude because you, they'll be there. Working really hard, but not knowing what to do and and what to work hard at, right? Yeah. So you're almost like wasting that person's attitude. Yes. Um, so yeah, but we 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 highly advise you know hiring somebody because of the attitude and training them, upskilling them in whatever it is you do, because long term you'll get much better uh, return from somebody who who has the right attitude. Like we we always say the other motto is hire. You know, don't don't hire upskilled or experienced people and try to motivate them. Mm-hmm. Instead, hire motivated people and then upskill them. I th- I think that's a lot easier to do than the other way around because trying to motivate your staff who are just not motivated, yeah, is tough. I think.
0: I, I think it's impossible. I think you can teach people anything if they're willing to learn. But you're right, you can't teach unwilling people how to be willing.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's that's impossible. It's just yeah. in them.
0: It, it's yeah. hard. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, I mean, there's a couple of things I want to go back to when you first started your business, but just on that point, given the fact that we're seeing, you know, given the pandemic, we're seeing incredible staff shortages um, and and employers need to rethink their recruitment processes. They need to really rethink the roles that they have and, and really try and be different and creative in their ways of attracting people to their businesses. Is this a time where you're seeing attitudes changing and are you seeing a real uplift in in the response
1: yeah definitely and um, being without being uh, you know without, without, I guess negative towards the situation or whatnot in terms of you know the pandemic the pandemic has been horrible and I don't wish we should upon anyone in any time in history um, but in, in a sense of it has created Work shortages, it, it, you know, it, sorry, employee shortages, candidate shortages. There's not enough skilled workers out there, um, and and businesses have had to think outside the box on on how to hire people. So in a sense, it's been a perfect storm actually for our business because we come into the market from a point of view: hey, think outside the box and and hire someone for attitude. Absolutely. And and here's this you know here's this group of individuals, these elite athletes who are extremely good at what they're doing right now or were really good at what they were they were doing. So they know how to be successful. They know what it takes to have the right drive, the motivation, the discipline, the resilience, the work ethic and, and hide them into your business because the skills that they've gained is very transferable, in, you know, in terms of that attitude and what it takes to be successful. So, um, yeah, yeah, we've we've seen businesses think outside the box in terms of hiring attitude. The other thing as well that I've you know I advise businesses to do, and and um, you know, our clients certainly that want to attract candidates is your employer branding it needs to be very strong in, in today's day and age. I think um, you know, showcase who you are as a business, You're not just. What you guys do, but who you are as, as as human beings, you know what what interests do you have outside of your work? You know, sprinkle it on your website, post it on socials. People want to connect with humans, not with corporations. Um, so, More than ever. That's
0: yeah. right. Yeah. So that real personal branding or or. You know, I guess social policies that make businesses different and that, that someone can connect to and say, that's also something I support or I'm like that or whatever. And they may be attracted to working at that business. Is that what you're saying?
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Mm, mm. Really interesting. Yeah, definitely, definitely fascinating. Now I'm going to go back to when you started your business, actually, and, and just speaking of the pandemic. So um, I remember that you went and resigned, and 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 it must have been, must have felt like the same day we started to see on the news this this sort of pandemic and the start of lockdown. So how was that for you, starting a business at a time when the whole world was shutting down, and and I think you had your second child on the way.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we did. Oh, I was there. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, I remember I resigned around. I, I was hearing of the news of this pandemic, and again, I don't watch the news, right? Yeah. And I'm always. Uh, I'm always. You know, don't, don't make it a problem until it's a problem. So, so you know. And I remember resigning about ten a.m., which was tough. Like I absolutely love the company I was working for. The people are amazing. Which obviously you you, you know them as well. And I was walking outside of the office. Might have been ten forty-five, right? I was walking to, to catch a taxi home with my stuff in a box. Yeah. And I was just waiting for the taxi and I just happened to open up my phone and and look on Instagram. And I noticed it said the big, you know, I'm a big basketball fan. I follow the NBA. It said, NBA season cancelled due to COVID. And I'm thinking to myself, this has got to be fake. Yeah. So then I Googled it. It was everywhere, and actually, a friend texted me as well. You see, NBA season's cancelled, and I'm going. Well, hold on, this thing's real. Yeah, like there's something going on here. There, <laughs> there is actually a, a, a disease going around that seems quite dangerous. If the NBA season's cancelled, so then I thought to myself, oh shit, is it too late to go back and ask for my job back? Because <laughs> I was immediately, I was like, what's going to happen in the business world? Yeah, it was it was a scary time. So that yeah, that's funny that that happened, but um. I actually only had that thought in my mind for like a minute, to be honest. And I don't know, something in me was just extremely excited still because i now I'm a full time entrepreneur, full like full time into what my purpose is and my business. Something that I loved, that I was genuinely genuinely passionate about, and I just excitement excitement overrode the fear. If that makes sense
0: yeah great right yeah
1: and then I just went you know my back was against the wall I see I had a kid on the way a mortgage I had my salary was zero yeah because <laughs> you're launching to your own business and there's this pandemic thing going on the financial crisis I just said head down work hard yeah that's it and you know back back against the wall maybe, maybe you know look back on it maybe it comes from my childhood as well I guess you know we were in the war and and my parents got us out of that situation so maybe you know subconsciously that somehow just just deal with it you know and, yeah. and maybe that transferred to me as an adult I have no idea but I just I just dealt with it I just head down work hard and make it happen
0: yeah well it's it, it, it's credit to you um given what was going on in the world which was you know fueled by such uncertainty we'd never been through a global pandemic before and so nobody quite knew what tomorrow would bring and and I don't think it matters how seasoned you are as a business person. Uh, I think everybody had a few sleepless nights wondering, you know, what was going to come tomorrow and whilst you could you could sort of be cheeky and say, you know, the moral of the story might be pay attention to the news a little bit. Um I guess in a way it, it doesn't really matter, does it? That that was only spreading fear at the time and once again it's it's just head down and get on with it, which is which is everything in life really, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic.
1: Exactly. It's, out of, it's out of your control. So just well, get on is. with it. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: I'm going to pivot a little bit to, to money matters. And I'm probably going to focus on when you did start your business. Um, I think I read uh, somewhere that you had saved up a few months worth of savings to sort of get started. I mean, how quickly did you go through those? How did What, what did you learn, I guess, from a financial point of view, starting a business and then in the middle of a pandemic?
1: Yeah. First I don't recommend starting a business with only a few months, uh, savings. Um, they, they say at least six months. Um, but I was just eager to, to get into it. Uh, we, we obviously, you know, we went into massive savings mode, massive savings mode and, um, I just somehow had, had, had faith and confidence that, that things were going to work out as well. And I think, you know, I had a good f- support system in our family. We knew, you know, if, if push came to shove and uh, I, at the same time, actually, my, my business co- – sorry, I forgot to mention this. This is important. My, my business coach, I remember calling my business coach as soon as I – resigned from a full-time role and went into it full-time. He was the first person who I called and then my partner was the second person because, <laughs> you know, I needed him to, I don't know, I just needed him to hear it and I was hoping he would say something to me that would also spur me on and, and make me feel, this was right after I read as well, that this pandemic is actually happening. Yeah. <laughs> he said to me, he said to me, Alex, it's more important to be employable than to be employed.
0: Ah, interesting.
1: Right. And it really resonated with me because worst case scenario, if this doesn't work out, I'll get another job.
0: Right. Okay. So for you, that was your sort of plan A2.
1: <laughs> well, it was <laughs> yeah, A2. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you, know, you got to pay the mortgage and you got to pay bills. I, was, I could get yeah. another job. And yeah. um, I, I know that. Look, actually, I actually had recruiters hit me up. I, I knew, you know, I had a good background in sales. I've developed a really good network. I was confident if things didn't work out, I could just get another job. Um, that made me feel safer. Yes. But, uh, yeah, in, to answer your question, in, in, so I think it's a, it's a mindset thing as well, right? So you've mm-hmm. got to feel safer, but to answer your question, yeah, we were very careful with how much we spent, bare minimum. But luckily and, and I don't know, through hard work and let's, let's call it luck, the business grew quite quickly. Of course, yeah. like, th- like things started working out and money started rolling in. And it was like, yes. okay. Great. Yeah. And, and I think
0: that's the way of it, isn't it? It's, it's not get distracted by the noise. It's just keep doing what you intend to do. And I, I, I do think it's a fantastic business model. So it doesn't surprise me that it, um, you know, in that unusual time that we were in, in, in the midst of a pandemic, that you still made that work. Tell me, as a professional athlete, are you ever coached or trained financial success? In, in, in those sports institutes
1: and so on. Is that a, a component of training? Uh, no. Sure short sure, answer is, I was going to say, I don't remember, so I guess the answer is no. Um, yeah. Yeah, not really. You know, there was, I remember there was, there was times when they might have had financial advisors and whatnot speak to us, but it was like a, you know, 45-minute chat before a training um, or after a training, and it was once or twice throughout my eight-year career. You know, so, so not really, you know, so, um, no, there wasn't, there wasn't much training. And I I think, you know, it was up to the athlete to seek that. And I, I wasn't, you know, making an insane amount of money as well, where I thought, what's the point? I I can't really spend, you know, I know you got to spend money to learn how to make money. So I didn't really pursue it. Um, but I know there, there was, you know, some of my teammates that were making a lot more money or, those that, that I know they seek outside help but yeah there's there's really a lack of education in that space.
0: Yeah it's, I think you know society as a whole finds finance very uh, challenging and we're not taught about money management in schools um, but I wondered in that sort of elite area of sport where potentially at least at least a percentage of the Uh, people in the in the rooms are going to be at the top and generally that involves good good earnings but for a short period of time which again as you've identified an athlete has a very limited opportunity to make very good money and then how do you train them to make use of that at the time that they they earn that money but I wondered whether if you trained in some way whether that was something that carried forward in business I mean how have you found the adjustment to Managing the finances of a business um, compared to personal.
1: It's interesting, actually, I am I, I'm probably better at managing the finances of the business than I am my personal. <laughs> but but again, because I have a really good accountant yes. for for my business who keeps me accountable and and helps me. Uh, and I, I've seen what, what I was saying earlier. I think in terms of personal, we're just really aware of our spending habits and, and just careful. So I think the first question you ask me, am I a spender yeah. or a saver, I'm in between. My, my wife will probably answer that question as a spender.
0: <laughs> Fair enough.
1: Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: There's one in every household, by the way, so yeah, that's exactly. okay. <laughs> exactly.
1: So, uh, yeah, I think in terms of what what has transferred into the, into the business world, you know, playing in a team environment in basketball we all have our roles yeah. you know i was good at something my teammate was better at something else you know someone's really good at passing somebody's really great yeah. at shooting somebody's really great at defense and we know there was roles to play and, and uh, playing basketball you had to be really aware of what you weren't good at and what you were good at and stick to what you're good at and, and some 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 athletes are not great at that, right? But, I mean, a lot, most are, especially if you're going to make it to the elite level, you have to be really aware of that. So in business, I was really aware I'm great at networking, I'm great at building relationships, I'm, I'm really good at sales, a growth mindset. But, look, to be honest with you, I'm poor at finance management, I'm poor at wealth management, I'm poor at operations. So I've outsourced that to somebody who's better at than, than me at it. Of course, um, yeah. So I guess that's where that transferable – Skills or energy comes from into into the business world.
0: Definitely, and I think that's that's the best way to do it. Anything you're not good at, um, you know, outsource it. I guess when you're starting a business, you've got to give it a go because you, you often can't afford to outsource things. But naturally, as your business is growing, you can start to outsource more and more of the things that you're not good at or the things that you don't enjoy, um, which is which is definitely the recipe or success, or, or so we're told. Um, yeah. I, I, I want to come back to something that you mentioned before. And it's, again, it's interesting to me, uh, because I think it's something that we know very much of in the sporting world, but we don't talk about it in the everyday world. And that's, you mentioned that you've got a business coach. And I think that that's always fascinating to me that people, a lot of people don't have a business coach, or indeed, a, a what what we would call a life coach, which sounds a bit you know, woo-woo, and, and some people sort of um, turn their nose up to such a thing. But, again, if we identified what we just spoke about, which is that there's always going to be things in life that you're not good at, um, how how do you find having a business coach? Is that something that you still maintain?
1: Absolutely. I um, <clears throat> Invaluable. I couldn't recommend it anymore, having having a business coach, just like having a basketball coach. Of course. You know, you c- I couldn't play in a game without a coach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, we we even had individual coaches as well. You know about specific skills in basketball, yes, shooting, dribbling, passing, etc. And then you had your team coach. Um, but yeah, a business coach has been absolutely. He's been there with me from from the start. Has been absolutely amazing, guiding me, uh, you know, coaching me, helping me with the decision making, strategy, but also keeping me um, mentally and and spiritually, emotionally. Uh, level-headed mm. and and controlled and, and make sure, you know, as running a business, especially a startup during a pandemic and recession, it, it's like this, right? And uh, forever running a business is like this. So just making sure, you know, if, if people are listening to this and not watching, it's yes. up and down. This is what I'm <laughs> <laughs> saying. Running a running a business is very up and down and just making sure that emotionally I am not up and down. Yes. Okay. And that's really been the, the biggest factor that my business coach has helped me outside of strategy and, um, giving me advice is making sure that I am emotionally controlled, spiritually controlled. Yes, That's been, yeah, that's been tremendous help.
0: Amazing. Uh, are you able to be successful in taking that to family life? It's always very challenging to be a parent and be controlled. How do you find that?
1: <laughs> yeah, not as much. Yeah. <laughs> Especially ha- having a, a, two, a two-year-old and a four-year-old oh, now, yeah. t- terrible twos, yeah, sometimes it's hard to, <laughs> hard to control. them. Impossible. Yeah.
0: Good. Well, I appreciate your honesty because if you'd said, no, no, it's perfect, I'd be thinking, my goodness, what's the secret? <laughs> no,
1: no secret there. I have no answers. If you have any books on this or anyone does, um, Send them to me.
0: <laughs> I've read read all the books, and uh, I think there's there's still more books books to be written because um, I didn't find the answer. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, look, I guess my my last question for you is probably um, more in terms of you know something that I ask a lot of people, and and I believe that people who are at the forefront of change, um, or or curious in nature, which I think is your spirit, and in your entrepreneur spirit, um, are often alert to new trends uh, before others or, or thinking about things. Is there anything that's on your radar at the moment that you're a bit fascinated by or that you're sort of drilling down more into at the
1: moment? I try and um, th- there are s- certain things and it's an- another plan A that you mentioned earlier. Um, but one, one of the other things that my businesses, um, business coach has taught me is um uh, one inch wide, 10 miles deep, something along those lines. So stay in your lane. Right, yeah. <laughs> for, especially for the earlier, so, you know, think 10 miles deep into your lane, whatever yeah. you're doing, and, and and one inch wide in terms of other things because you don't want to lose focus, right? So, so, yeah, my yeah. Fo- I've been really aware of that, and my focus has been 10 miles deep onto <laughs> placing athletes into the business sector and then that one inch wide and what has gained curiosity or it's curiosity in me is again it's in the space of athlete transition and it's doing work with athletes whilst they're athletes you know ensuring that when they as soon as they retire or as soon as they transition they're ready to go into Whatever it is next, yeah, and that's I think it's a, you know it's a massive work in progress not for a lot of people, sports organisations etc cetera, etc. Cetera. There's now you know sports clubs have athlete transition managers now employed to help with this, and I think they have a tremendously tough job, and I I want to help in in some way as well. I'm not sure how yet. Yeah. I have an idea and some projects that we're working on, but I certainly you know don't have the answer. But that's that's something that I am. Um, thinking about or curious about tackling.
0: Yeah fantastic I I agree with you I think there's a lot of work to be done there and and, um, probably a lot to do with the mind and the mindset Um, as as per usual where everything really really does happen um, you've got to have your head in it and around it Um, but I love that uh, 10 miles deep one inch wide it's very easy to be distracted in business there's a lot going on and a lot to think about and when you're always looking forward often you forget about what's directly in front of you um which is which is a great point
1: on that note i get a lot of people that approach me and like you know business people like yeah. hey alex you should try this what a great idea you should try this you guys should do this you guys yeah. should do that <laughs> yeah that's cool. definitely yeah 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 if yeah. there's 10 of me yeah
0: yeah exactly <laughs> if there's 10 of you well no we've we still got to wait for that um photocopy machine that turns us little humans into ourselves reprints them yeah exactly yeah, exactly yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah fantastic well Look, I think um, it's it's been a great conversation. I really uh, love watching where your career direction is going and, and the work that you're doing in this space I think is really vital and I think definitely at a crucial time in society where people need to be open-minded. And, and so anyone uh, listening today, reach out to Alex if you think that you can hire any of his um, professional sports people. I think that, um, you know, who, who doesn't want people with drive and determination and resilience? grit in their business. Um, It's it's a fantastic combination, a winning combination, of course. So um, thank you for joining us today. Um, And once again, for our listeners, think before you spend and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode.
1: Nice. Thanks for having me on. Really enjoyed it. This podcast
0: is for general information only. It contains brief comments not intended to be the basis for decision making, nor to be taken as a substitute for personal advice please contact Amplify Wealth Management to discuss any matters that may be relevant to your individual situation. Money Mind. If you have any questions about your financial future, please head to amplifywealth.com.au. Money Mind is available to download and subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts.